Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you're here with us today and we're doing live streaming. We've got an exciting message today to present and I hope all is going well with you. Need to pray continually uh, about this coronavirus. I know God's people are being heard by the Lord and I know that God is answering prayers. So continue to pray that God would stop this coronavirus, that people would be protected from any infections from this, but also protect those on the first line of defense, those uh, responders that are out there in the hospitals and around, uh, pray for protection and pray for protection for all of us. I pray the blood of Jesus Christ around us and within us as a shield. So continue to pray. Uh, pray for those in other countries that are going through this also. Pray that uh, God would truly stay as stay this particular uh, virus from continuing on in the direction that we know that there is potential for it to do and the harm that it can can uh, do to people's lives so we pray for that the other thing is we need to pray for this country we need to pray for peace we need to pray for <clears throat> that people would be covered and also to uh, follow through with their convictions in a peaceful way uh, and demonstrating to uh, show uh, their particular desires for change uh, in this country and also all around the world. So we need to pray. Uh, I was talking to the church just a moment before we came on live streaming and praying Jesus changes our hearts and he is the one that can change us. So I just pray for a heart change in all people and no more hatred. The peace of God would fill this nation and around the world. And I know everybody could say amen to that. Amen. So we'll do that. Let's begin with prayer today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us that we can come together and worship you and, and praise your holy name. And Father, we thank you for your word, your word of truth, your word that does not change. Jesus said he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We thank you and praise you. You don't change. But Lord, we ask you to come and enter in, in these things that we've just mentioned. Lord, you intervene in uh, the things, that the turmoil and the things that are happening in this nation and around the world. And dear Lord, you would give people peace. That you would, Lord, show them that you're, you're a God who's in control. And dear Lord, you would direct their paths. And dear God, today many would come to salvation as a result of this encounter. We pray today, Father, for that peace. We pray also for healing for those that have been affected by this virus. We pray, Lord, today that this virus would just be completely eradicated and, dear Lord, stopped in its tracks and people would be healed and they would recover and pre people would be protected, dear Lord, uh, as they take care of the sick. We pray for them strength and power in your presence. Father, today we believe you have a word for us. We have come gathered in your name. And so, Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you here today. You are here. And we welcome you. Ask that you would come and manifest your presence in this place, in our lives, and those who are viewing this live stream. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and reveal Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to all things. And so we come, Lord, beseeching you, seeking you, and desiring and longing for your presence. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And so, Father, what you say today, we attune our, the ears of our hearts to you, that you may speak that word of hope and encouragement and comfort and peace to people here and also all around this world. Father, you have your way. We are yours and you are ours. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. We're going to talk about some of the changes that I see happening in, in the uh, earth today. And these things are for always, but certainly today, these is, this is a word that we need when we look at this particular scripture. And I want to talk about it today. And I believe God's up to great things, and I know you could say amen to that. Because God is always up to great things. He always says when the darkness rises, the light will rise also. And uh, we know that God has his way. So it's, it's actually, I believe, determined as God's people are on their knees praying and seeking him 
and desiring and longing for his will more than anything else in this whole wide world. None of the things will satisfy. Only Jesus will satisfy. We see this scripture today. It's a powerful scripture. Talking about the wine and, and the wineskins. In verse 14, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he's still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Then he says, very importantly, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And then I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, which we read from uh, last week. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then jumping down to verse 14. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news. Amen? May God add blessings to the reading of his word. And this scripture about the wineskins, real simply, it's saying exactly what it means. It says that new wine can't be poured into old wineskins or they'll break. The wine ferments there and, and, and the wine expands and, and will break and, and, and somehow tear the old wineskins. And so there has to be new wineskins to be able to hold the new wine. I want to be honest, I believe that God's pouring out new wine. I believe that God is doing a new thing, Isaiah chapter 43. I believe that God is doing something in the earth today that I believe is so magnificent that obviously we can't even describe it, but I believe that we need to set our hearts towards the Lord and obviously set in this place of preparation and follow the Lord and get close to the Lord because he's pouring out new wine. I believe it with all my heart. And I believe that you see what's happening and you say, Jim, how can that be? Because it looks like darkness is covering the earth. And yes, it does. But the light of Jesus will rise to overcompensate for it, will actually rise above it. And so when you see the darkness rising, look up and be watchful it's for your redemption is drawing near. I believe today that we are seeing something happen in the, in the earth today here in the United States that's really big. I believe that. My heart yearns for a move of God, a revival in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. My heart yearns because I know Jesus is the only answer, and so do you. That's why you're watching today. That's why you're here today. Because you believe that Jesus is the only answer. And I want to tell you, pouring out new wine, and it is good, I'm telling you. You see, Jesus knew that the Pharisees were irked at him <clears throat> because they weren't following their man-made traditions of religion. They wanted to know why he was allowing his disciples to, was, were allowed to break those long-standing traditions. And Jesus lets them know through this parable that the man-made traditions of Judaism were not compatible with the new wine of the gospel. The two just didn't mix. Last week we said Jesus came and he... he uh, 
he pushed the status quo. He upset, he upset the status quo. He came and he did things differently. And they didn't like it because they were steeped in their traditions. They were steeped in the way they had always done in that old Judaism. That, and Jesus was bringing fresh wine of the gospel. And, and people were being stirred. And people were being made uncomfortable as a result of that. But this is the word of God. When somehow when the word of God touches our hearts too, if you feel uncomfortable with that and somehow it convicts you, then God wants to do something in your life because he's doing something new in your life and my life and he's doing it in the church also. You see, it's that new wine of the gospel and a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit which was coming, which was on the way. And he tells them that change is coming for the way you worship God and obviously, it's new and refreshing, and it's not old and dry. A new way, new things of what he's doing today. One commentary writes this. He said, what did Jesus mean? Certainly, he didn't mean everything that Christians through the ages have taken from these words. Jesus distinguishes here between something essential and primary, or the wine, and something secondary, but also necessary and useful. And he's talking about the wineskins. Wineskins would be superfluous without the wine. This distinction is vital for the everyday life of the church. There is that which is new, potent, essential, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is that which is secondary, subsidiary, made by human hands. And these, the wineskins, are traditions and structures and patterns of doing things have, that have grown up around the gospel. The wine, the new outpouring, the power of God, the new life that he gives, the eradication of the dryness and the dullness and all, and that new freshness that's coming in because of the new wine that's being poured out today. And yet we see around that are the traditions of man, those old wineskins that are cracked and, and they need, they're patched and they're all that together and so forth. But essentially it's the new wine that we need. Jesus is looking to see whether the wineskins will get ready. And so there are a couple points here. First of all, I believe that we need to let God pour out a new move of the Spirit on this church and upon this nation. Amen? I believe that we need to obviously drink in the Spirit and the anointing of God upon this church and on the body of Christ today. And I'm talking about as we pray this today. I'm not just talking about here at Lighthouse Fellowship. I'm seeing a great awakening that's taking place. And some would say that this great awakening is maybe the third great awakening. There have already been two great awakenings, and we need an awakening. We need that, and we see a whole lot of shaking that's going on. And as God shakes, He's preparing His people to receive this new wine that He's pouring out, the new move of God's Spirit. You see, our God is a creative God. How many of you know that? Our God is creative. He is that. He is a creative God. And He loves to birth new life. Isn't that true? He loves to see people born again. He loves for people to receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. And so He loves to see new life. And let me mention a couple of scriptures here. Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Isaiah 42, 9. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare before they spring up into being. I announce them to you. And then, of course, Isaiah 43, verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He's talking about revival. He's pouring, a, he's pouring the water of the Spirit of God out upon the heart and life of the church again. He's reviving. He's renewing. He's again bringing back to life, the life in the church today. The Spirit of God is doing this. And He is the one that desires to do that in your life and my life, you see. He's doing, pouring out that new wine. Isaiah 65, 17. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. He is making, He's doing a new thing, church. He's doing that. 2 Peter 3. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness there. You see, there's a lot of scriptures talking about God is a creative God. He, he does new things. Amen. He obviously doesn't change himself. He says, I am the same. 
And he's saying here these eternal truths in the word of God, that does not change. His, his attitude and his view of sin is a saying as it's always been. He'll never change. And his values will never change. His standard's high. But when he sees how that's certainly integrated and implemented in the church and society and around the world, he's saying, I've got creative ways that can do that through my people. He is a creative God, obviously. The truth is God is still creative today, and he's still in the business of cre creating new creations. You see, God's nature is full of inventiveness and creative ways. He helps us with our problems in, in creative ways, doesn't he? He helps you. He helps you to get through some of the challenges, obviously all the challenges that you work through in life. And he does it sometimes in ways that we never thought he would, you see, because he's a creative God. He's creative in that way. But here, a question rings in the ears of the American Christianity today. Are we creative? If I would ask you today, is the church creative? And you'd say, well, maybe it is. And I think maybe even here at Lighthouse Fellowship and a lot of us around the country that have been shut down and around the world have had to go to the Zoom meetings and also to the live streaming and so forth to be able to meet and so forth. So we've been creative and be able to communicate the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, we are. But if you would say, is the world more creative than we are, the church, some of us would probably say, yeah, the world is real creative. But you see, the fact of the matter is, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, so we should be the most creative when it comes to being able to do things anew and being able to think about how is it that we can present the gospel to the nations? How is it that we can go forward under the duress and some of the challenges that we've seen over the last couple of months? How is it that we can continue to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord? Amen. How is it? We should be the creative ones. We should be able to do that, you see. In John 14... Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All these things. You see, he lives within us. We should have, obviously, the creative mindsets. We should have, the, the, uh, obviously, the momentum to find new ways to present the gospel uh, to the people in an area that grabs their attention and affects their lives. Amen. We should have that, that the ideas and creative ways to be able to grab the youth and their hearts to share. Because you see, many in the young generation, whether or not it be the millennial uh, generation or whoever it may be, are looking for, for truth and they're looking for hope and they're looking to you and I and to the church today. And so I ask you today, we being creative and being able to present uh, the gospel in this way to these, you know. And we're in a certain generation and all that. And we've grown up and we've done things a certain way and so forth. But here we are. Are we willing to allow new wineskins to be made in our lives to be able to hold that new wine that's going on? And I'm talking about today. Are you willing to be flexible? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to obviously open your heart? Again, God doesn't change again, and I'll say it again and again and again. Is that he doesn't change, and the gospel never changes, but are we willing to change and allow God to work his creativeness uh, through our lives? You see, the scriptures tell us that God's word is always true, and he doesn't change his mind on anything, the definition of sin. He doesn't in any way lower his standards in that way. Uh, to be able to meet, maybe dumb down because society has gotten darker and so forth. No, the bar still sits the same height as it always has. The gospel is the truth, the word of God here, and he's fixed on those truths. But when it comes to how the gospel is presented and how one is to worship God, he's open to variety. He's open to variety. Isn't that great? You know, we made some changes here in the church and we've done things differently and so forth. Little changes and so forth. But God is open to variety. He's not changing. But to be able to meet the needs of people out there who will come in, who maybe see things a little differently, not the gospel or compromise, but to see things differently, are we willing to change? Are we willing to be able to bend like that? New wineskins, you see. You see, Jesus had an issue with a bunch of religious leaders 
who could only see God in the light of their man-made religious practices. Their man-made religious practices. And Jesus had that same issue today with many churches and leaders and Christians today. You know, I've done it that way. Why we won't change anything? It seems like, well, you see today, many of the churches don't have people in them. Many of the churches are not preaching the gospel. Many of the churches today have somehow watered down the gospel. Many churches today have been inflexible. And you see, I believe that new wine has been poured out. And actually, that wine skin has burst. And that new, new wine has gone everywhere. You see, Chuck Swindoll, I remember a quote that he said years ago. And he said this. Listen to it and see if you agree to it. He said, it's a sin to bore people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many of you are bored in this place today? Okay. I'm not bored. I look forward. Now, I know you say, but you're on your platform, Jim, and you're preaching. Yes, I want to tell you, but the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. The same spirit during the week that I can get down and pray to him and ask him to give me grace to come together and worship the living God is living in you today. So it should be, like Swindoll says, it's a sin to bore people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. God wanting to pour out his spirit. And what happened here in Acts chapter 2, and I believe it paints a picture for us of what happens when God pours out the Holy Spirit. Certainly, it's the book of Acts. It's the word of God. It's not something I made up or what I desire. And, and all, but it is the word of God here. And so people get filled with the spirit of God. They speak in tongues, and they in essence become living witnesses to the unsaved by speaking in their native language. In other words, they proclaim the wonders of God, it says in the scripture. It proclaims how magnificent God is because why? They're filled with the Spirit. They're filled up with Him. They're touched down in their depths of their hearts and they're changed today. The book of Acts was given, obviously, as we look at it and say, Lord, I want some of that. I want to be, I want to walk in that just like the people did back then. You see, but there are different, obviously, responses. Some people were perplexed. They were, some were amazed. And the one, but why were they perplexed? Is because they came to the dilemma that do I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or do I continue in my man-made religion? You see, they were confronted with the fact that they had their man-made religion and they were confronted. Do I put my faith in this Jesus who was doing what? things differently than had been done all of my lifetime. You see? And that's the issue today when God begins to pour out new wine. Some even made fun of what God was doing and saying that the people, they were drunk. They, they were drunk. They were so filled they were drunk. They couldn't stand up because under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, you see. And let me tell you, there'll be people today that will make fun and make jokes of this coming move of God. It's the same today as it always has been. People haven't changed that much, have they? It'll be the same today. People will make fun and people will reject it and they'll say, no, I'm uncomfortable with this because my man-made religion practices that just doesn't equate here to me. And Jesus is wanting to pour out new wine. But the question is whether or not we'll allow him and whether or not we want him. The second point here is is that we need to drink of the Holy Spirit and be refreshed and renewed. I don't know about y'all, I need to be refreshed and renewed. <laughs> That's one thing I need, okay? There are different healings and so forth, but I need to be refreshed and, re and renewed. How many of you here today need to be refreshed? Amen? Amen. Everybody, okay? Now, I believe Jesus is more willing to refresh us than what we would ever imagine because that's who he is. He's a God of variety. He's a God creative in the way he does things, you see. But we need to prepare our hearts for the coming wave of change. We call it renewal, revival. God desires. He wants to pour his spirit out in a new way. I believe in our church, in the churches all around the world. I just believe this awakening will not just stop here at our borders. I believe it will be all over the world. 
And so th some of you may be watching from other countries, wherever you're watching from today. I just believe and pray that God would send that revival to you, an awakening like you've never seen before. Even if it all looks bleak right now, right before God begins to send a revival, people begin to pray and cry out to God, and that's when He pours His Spirit out upon the church, upon believers. He begins in the house of the Lord, okay, with you and me. Isn't that good? No. Come on, Lord. Come on. Come on, do it, Lord. That's what I'm looking for. That's what we've been waiting for. You're pouring out new wine. We need to be ready and prepared. We've got to be willing to drink, too. You're not thirsty? You say, I don't, I'm not thirsty. Maybe I'm not as thirsty as what I should be. You know what my prayer is when that happens? I say, Lord, make me thirsty. <laughs> can he do it? Yes, he can. Make me hungry, Lord. Make me desperate. I'm happy and satisfied on all these things, materialistic things that have been given to me here on this earth. But dear Lord, today, I pray today that you would be first place in my life and I pray that you make me hungry and you make me thirsty because I want this new wine. Because I know this new wine is going to be better than any of this stuff this old earth could offer me. Hallelujah. God is saying he's pouring it out, church. John 7, verse 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Remember what they were doing? They were going through their religious practices there. And, and Jesus was sitting over there. And here, the truth, God, the, the second person of the Trinity, God Almighty himself was right there. And he stood up and he said in a loud vo voice, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And streams of living water will flow from you. Are you thirsty, church? Are you thirsty and hungry? Are you crying out to him? Are you saying, Lord, just do it today? I don't understand any of this stuff, but I know one thing. I know you're the answer. If you know Jesus is the answer today, then cry out to him. Cry out to, to him in, in unity today because God hears that together when we all come together as one. God is saying he's doing it here, you see. Revelation chapter 22 says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. And whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Amen. You see, the Holy Spirit desires to empower the church by unleashing his creative power into its life so that it produces new life, so that it encounters a new spiritual awakening, you see. But we got to drink. And the free gift, the water of life, we've got to drink. We've got to be willing to change. Some of us maybe need to die to self. We obviously, the focus is on us. It's all about me, myself, and I. Some of us need to die to self. We need to take up our cross daily, what the Bible says, and follow him daily and follow him. Deny ourselves and give him completely to Christ. You see, we need to allow wine, our wineskins to be made new. He'll do it. You see, all this stuff, the Spirit does. If we'll yield our hearts to Him and we'll do what He tells us to do, He will do it because God wants new life, new passion, new vision, new kingdom growth, a new fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that? A new passion, a new vision, new life today in the church today of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! God is saying He's doing His thing today. He's pouring out new wine. That's the greatest thing I'm telling you today. It's exciting to see that. You see, he wants a new commitment. You go back and revisit that commitment. Every now and then, that's good to do. Go back and make that visitation. Mark 16, he says this, uh, verses 15 through 18. And he said to them, go into all the world, what? And preach the good news to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they'll drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, don't go pick up snakes. He's talking about if God tells you to do something and you go and maybe it's a little bit, you're like, man, I'm not sure. Am I safe in this? He says he will protect you. He's using an illustration here. 
He's saying that if you go forth and say, for example, and you are called as a missionary, whatever it may be or whatever, or to go in a place where there may be some danger, he protects you. He's saying that I will be with you. I will protect you. He doesn't say to pick up a snake or any of that. Remember when the snake bit Paul on the island? He shook it off. In the book of Acts, he shook it off and didn't hurt. He got right up and kept on going. Amen? Amen. Okay. He says it won't harm you at all. But what's he say to begin with? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to all nations. In Matthew 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things and I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. One man says this, listen to this, every age tastes the temptation to forget that the gospel is ever new. We try to contain the new wine of the gospel in old wineskins, outmoded traditions, obsolete philosophies, creaking institutions, old habits. But with time, the old wineskins begin to bind the gospel and then they must burst and the power of the gospel pours forth once more. He's saying we try to contain the new wine of the gospel. And doing it the same way, we have to change. Remember I said last week, I believe it was a week before, I said, you know, young people, they speak a different language when, than we do. You almost have to take a course in how they speak, you know. Uh, young people 101. And, you know, it's like French or Spanish. You have to listen to them. They talk. You got to listen to them. You got to learn what, the, what they desire and what they, they long for and the way they see life today. Because I want to tell you, they're being raised in a very, very difficult world, aren't they? They're being taught all types of things. They're talking a lot, a lot of things today. A lot of great, great, wonderful young people today. You watch some of these concerts, Christian concerts, and these bands are playing, and that place is packed out with young people with their hands raised in the air, praising Jesus, and they love, they love Jesus the Christ. So I don't say this as everybody, but let me tell you, the world is full of those who need the gospel. And you and I, we've got the answer. His name is Jesus. Church history illustrates that if a church quits being renewed and refreshed every day, then it'll slide into apathy. And this leads towards man-made religion and deadness. In essence, the people of God lose their anointing and their transformational power to see lives change. I'm talking about all the time we've got to be changing, okay? We've got to be renewed day by day because if not, we slip right into man-made traditions and philosophies and old institutions, you see. Look at Luther. Remember Martin Luther? He started the Reformation there. And his scripture was Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, he said. Remember, he started a real, an, up, I mean, he, an uproar at that time, didn't he? He came in and he said that. And listen to what he said about the Bible. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. That's the Bible to Martin Luther. He said, I like all my books to be destroyed so that only the sacred writings in the Bible would be diligently read. He says, on music, he said, the devil should not be allowed to keep all the best tunes for himself. Hello. I mean, there's some good music out there today. I mean, you know, you guys, you'd be surprised what I listen to, okay? I love all that music. I love that stuff. All this stuff that they're, that's being written by wonderful Writers that love Jesus Christ. A lot of young people writing this stuff. I love it. Amen. Listen to what he says about prayer. He said, oh, if only I could pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on that one piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. You ever seen a dog and you put a piece of meat in front of him? How intense is that dog looking at that piece of meat? He said, oh, if only people would pray in the same intensity. If that dog looking at that piece of meat, let me tell you. He says, he talks about himself. He said, if I rest, I rust. He said, his main, three main themes. He said, scriptures alone, faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. You see, 
But what's happened in the Lutheran church? And there are many, many Lutheran churches, and I'm not putting down any particular denomination. But I'm just talking about here, even as we look at the Friends denomination, it starts out in revivals, middle 1600s. <clears throat> I was reading there about George Fox uh, this past week, and you know, he preached the gospel. I mean, he, he upset people. People didn't like him. They tried to get rid of him. And he prayed, and people got healed. Amen. People got healed. There was all types of supernatural wonders going on, signs and wonders that followed George Fox. Amen. But see what happens with any denomination after it started a revival, it gets settled into its man-made religions and traditions, and it doesn't want to be flexible to receive what God is doing in the present. Never compromising the gospel. Don't get me wrong. Never. But let me tell you, God is a God who loves variety and that he's created and how we adapt to the culture and, and be able to present the, 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 the gospel there to where people can hear it. I was reading a couple of uh, uh, websites that a guy sent to me because I was telling him we need to get, reach the lost. And, and both basically, you know, these churches, these pastors of writing these particular articles or, or pastors of large churches of young people coming in uh, by the thousands and so forth. And basically, <clears throat> if you get down and I give you the cliff notes of what it's saying, is basically young people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for people who walk the walk. In other words, if you proclaim it, they want to see it in your life. And whether or not we're true to what we're saying we believe and how we treat people and what we say how we respond to the circumstances around us and whether or not even in this we've seen fear that's been cast out here today and, and people have been afraid of this and not that we can't be, we need to be cautious, but we are not to be afraid. And see, they're looking for that today. Many times we start out real good and then we drift away. You see also... When you look at Luther, he wanted the church to be contemporary with their worship style so that it appealed to the lost. Y'all have heard me speak of that long, many times, haven't you? Got to appeal to people today. Not that we have to obviously change anything in regards to the gospel, but how we do church may be different than what we've done in the past. Amen, I've mentioned that. You see, he wanted his church to pray with the intensity. Again, he saw in that dog watching that piece of meat. That's pretty intense. How about the Methodist church? <clears throat> there are many churches today I know on fire for Jesus because my daughter and son-in-law go to one. And I want to tell you today, but many have gone away. You know John Wesley, he probably traveled more miles on horseback than any itinerant pastor sharing the gospel. And he and his brother Charles actually started the holiness movement. So holiness, we are holy positionally, but God is making us holy in our performance, you see. And when this revival takes place, this awakening takes place, something's going to change. It's not going to be God. He's the same. But we're going to change, and we've got to, you see. What's happened today? Why? Because sin has come into the church. How many churches have said, well, let's do this and do that and so forth, and it's directly contradictory to what the Word of God says. We've allowed things to come in. We've compromised. We've allowed it to come in. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning in regards to the fact that, yes, we stumble and fall. We're sin. We need to confess our sins, and we need to obviously get back up again and press into God. But at times we do. We fall short. God shows us that, and we need to immediately run to him. You see, what's happened? People have wandered away. You take Jonathan Edwards. He was a part of the Congregational Church. What's happening with that? Jonathan Edwards was back preaching the gospel. In fact, John, when Jonathan Edwards said, some of the, the, uh, the, the history books have said that when Jonathan Edwards preached, that people were so convicted in their heart that they fell out of their chairs, weeping, crying out for forgiveness and repenting because they thought the ground beneath them was getting ready to open up and swallow them. That's how convicted they were because of the move of God's Spirit. How come we don't see 
tears of repentance nowadays. And I'm not talking about tears for tears' sake. But how come we're not convicted today of these things? I believe that when we encounter the Lord, something's going to happen in your life. You can't encounter a holy God and stay the same. God is changing us. Why? Because he's pouring out that new wine. Putting it in, in those wineskins. You see. You see, where is the revival that we've seen in the past? I long for that to happen. Ever how God works that, that's his business. I just say, Lord, you know, in that song that I listen to and pray, because the words are where I can pray, it's like a prayer to me. In the pressing and the crushing, he's bringing, they're bringing forth new wine. And it says, make me your vessel. Make me an offering. And then it says, make me whatever you want me to be. And then it says, it goes on to say, and I give up my old flame for your new fire today. How many want that? I give up my old flames for your new fire today. Fire symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, that's what we've got to have, you see. The new wine, you see, is long gone, and it's turned into secularism. It's come in. It's not too late. One commentator says this, but there's something else when we look at this parable it teaches us. The necessity of new wines, because wineskins are not eternal. They're not sacred. As time passes, they must be replaced, not because the gospel changes, but because the gospel itself demands and produces change. And new wine must be put into the new wineskins, not once and for all, but repeatedly, periodically, repeatedly. You see, we've got to be willing die to self, take up our crosses daily and follow Jesus Christ. You see, a church that goes through the motion of religious tradition with the no moving of the Holy Spirit is in real danger today in this country and around the world. A church, no movement of the Holy Spirit of God for whatever reason, their sin, or maybe it's like, I, I don't want this. I'm happy with the way things are. I don't want to make that, allow God to make those new wineskins out of me, you see. One man's quote is, religion is what you're left with when the Spirit leaves the building. The church has got to break out of its institutional mindset. We've got to drink from the fresh outpouring of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, you see. And it's not the building that wins people to Christ. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's God's Spirit moving. And people saying, what is going on over there? There's like a fire going on over there. You see, that's what's happening. Not the building. Even here in this building, a historical site in Lake City. But it's not the building. It's going to be the presence of God Almighty. Hallelujah. It's going to be the presence of the Lord. Obviously, you see, we need to present the experience of Jesus Christ because the world is looking for true experiences. And you see, Jesus is to be experienced. Jesus is to be experienced. The church is to introduce people to Jesus and His Holy Spirit, not religion and my traditions. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. The church is to introduce people to Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Not religion or my traditions. Isn't that true? We've got to personally give the Holy Spirit permission. If you're willing to do that today, we're going to call on you in just a moment. I want you to think about it. We have to give Him permission. I invite the Holy Spirit of God. He is here with us, He is always with us. We've got to have a willingness to live by the Spirit. You've got a willingness to, to listen to God all in unity because when the 120 were in the upper room, remember, they were all there in one accord. Okay. They were all listening to the Lord because we can all hear God's voice through His Word, through other, and He even speaks impressions and whatever it may be. But we've got to listen because I believe God is speaking and I believe God today is pouring out new wine. Hallelujah. It's good. Obviously in Acts 17. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
We've got to be willing to let it pour all over, all over us that new wine to change us. And we've got to be willing to drink in the new wine to make changes. Be flexible. Listen to what he's doing and all, you know. I don't know how he'll do it because it may not be like the last revival, but I know one thing. When he does it, it's going to be heads up. Here we go. Hang on. It's going to be good. But I think right now he's preparing us. And I think he's looking to say, do you really want my presence to come and change our lives? You see, my heart is, is he's the only answer. There isn't any other. I can't get up here and do anything. It's like that revival song we listened to last week. You know, the preacher preaches when the well is dry. The well's dry. How about that? The well is dry. Want new wine poured out to touch our hearts, to pierce our hearts. To bring new life to the church today. To where the, the church has the influence in our culture like never before. Because when things happen, then we need to have, obviously all of us need to be equipped, don't we? I mentioned last week that I believe prophetic dream that I had about the church. And I was praying for people in the dream. And I, I had so many people to pray for. And I, I was overwhelmed with the number of people I prayed for. And... And I was looking, and I looked down at the church, and it wasn't this church, it wasn't any church I w was familiar with at all. It was a church, and people were coming in in the droves, and people were sitting in their seats and all. And I looked, and I, I remember, and I asked the Lord at that time, I said, Lord, is this what we've been waiting for? Is this what we've been waiting for? And I asked God today to bring that to pass. Not so we can build a bigger church but that we can share the love of Jesus with people who are lost, who without Jesus are going out into eternity without God in their lives. That's why it is, you see. And you and I have to have a burden. We've got to look at people and see. And God will give us new opportunities to share Jesus Christ today with us. But you see, it takes us being filled with God. Because people know whether or not you're just sort of going through the motions or not. They know because we look more like the world than they look like the world. Different. He said, I've, I've called you out. Consecrate your life. And even today, I ask every person here just to bow and say, Lord, I reconsecrate my life to you. And what that means is, Lord, I set my life apart for you and you alone. It's like the song we heard earlier. I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, how can we reach these that I believe, God, you want to reach? And I felt like what God spoke to me about was, he said, I will give you the strategy. And the word was used for strategy. And I do believe he will give you the strategy if we're willing. And we're saying, Lord, give me new wineskins, because I believe the new wine is coming. How many of you believe that today? Have, anybody? You believe that today? You believe that, that God desires to do that? You've got to be willing, obviously, to tell the Lord that this is what I want. I'm open to you making new wineskins out of my life and changing me, doing whatever it is you desire in my life. I don't care what it means, you know, and, and the crushing and the pressing. And, and, you know, that's been tough. We've had to hunker down and all. Many people are without jobs, and many people are obviously uh, hurting today. Many people are sick as a result of not being able to go to the doctor. There are many people all over this place. There's so much ministry opportunities today, but you'll never do it, and I'll never do it without God filling me up to the brim until I can't. I'm, I'm flow overflowing in the Spirit. Those streams of living water are flowing through me like Jesus said in John chapter 7. The only way. You say, yeah, but what difference can I make? Let me tell you today. One person sitting in here today who gives their heart wholeheartedly to the Lord can set a fire that nothing will be able to put out. Are you willing? Are you ready? You, can you commit your life to the Lord? Can you say, Lord, I, I, I just give you permission today. I was bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lamb. And I don't want to continue on the way. I don't want that. And so remove anything from my life that is not like Jesus. Any sin in my life, get rid of it. But God will give you the grace to do that. You know what? I say, Lord, give me grace, please. 
and he will. He's forgiven you, but he wants you to walk because he came to set the captive free. He's pouring out new wine, church. You ready? You ready for this? Be prepared. Get ready. Get ready. Get into the Word and pray. Not legalism, but search the Word. Pray. Seek Him. Get close to the Father. Taught about the phileo love of the Father recently and been really hung on that because it's so important. It's that you encounter the Lord. You have an experience. You, you experience Him in your heart. And that's what's happened. When you are touched by Him like that, you'll never be the same again. Jesus touch, has touched me over the years and continue at various times. And I sing to him and praise him, worship him, and love him and praise him. Tell him you love him. Tell him you want all of him. You want all that he is in your life. And you want to be all to him that he desires for you to be. And he will. He'll never let you down. You pray. Saying, Lord, I want you. And I need you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you, Lord, that you are pouring out new wine. Thank you, Lord. You're glorious, Lord. You're so magnificent, Lord. Words cannot express how awesome you are, Lord. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. We love you and we praise you. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to come. And that new wine is being poured out. We ask you that you pour out that anointing upon our lives. A fresh anointing. A fresh encounter with you, Lord. To love you with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And love our neighbors, ourselves. Dear God, we ask you. We right now give you permission. I give you permission in my life. And I give you permission in this church also as the pastor to do what you would desire to do. Lord, help us impart creativity into our hearts to be able to reach a lost generation with the gospel. And help us to put aside all those traditions and things that have hindered us because you're doing a new thing. And Lord, I'm believing for the pe people in this church and people listening here over live streaming all over that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to be able to step out and to say something has changed in my life. There are new desires that are being placed there in my life and those old things that I've clung to are being taken away. I pray that today. And Father, we give you permission to do that. And so Lord, today, we right now reconsecrate our lives to you again afresh, totally afresh, that you are ours and we are yours. And dear Lord, today we ask you to have your way in our lives. We praise you and we thank you and glorify your holy name. Do it, Lord. Do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you all for watching today. All of you are watching over live streaming. We just thank the Lord for you and pray. We'll keep praying. Y'all keep praying. And then again, next week, same time, 11 o'clock, if you tune in and listen, I believe God will have a wonderful word for us. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Amen.